0: Exceptional Performance. The Leaders Podcast. This podcast is an introduction to the 10 essential elements to achieve an exceptional performance culture. Episode by episode, we break down five elements in planning, the what, and five elements in leadership, the how, by having experts share their experience, knowledge, and expertise in realizing these essential elements. The what or the planning elements are explored in our first five episodes. First, defining purpose, working on your charter together. Then, taking stock, getting real about today. In our third episode, we look at communicating the vision, getting creative to define the future and chart the course. Episode four, creating ownership, we look at getting buy-in and rigorous implementation. And finally, ensuring alignment, identifying roles, responsibilities, and KPIs. Today, I'm sitting down with Rob Sagan of the Productive Leadership Institute to get a deeper understanding and ask him some questions about element one, Defining Purpose, Working on Your Charter Together. Rob, why don't you take the floor here and explain element one, defining purpose, a little more in depth.
1: My pleasure, Eric. Thanks. I'll take this opportunity to provide detailed descriptions, some case study examples, assessment and development tools that will help our listeners get a handle on what exactly we mean by defining purpose. So let's get started. Um, Element one of what you've described as our planning piece, the what portion of exceptional performance, is what we call defining purpose. And we call it working on your charter together. And first of all, you might be thinking together. Well, what I mean is that it's, it's a question of who should be in the room and things have changed. And it used to be their purview of just executive management to sit around and talk about organizational purpose from time to time and do mission and vision statements. But things have changed. And it's in keeping with the adage that, you know, nobody's as smart as all of us. And it recognizes that implementation improves drastically when team members contribute to defining the future. Uh, So we recommend you choose employees or organizations choose employees who, first of all, are forward thinking, innovative and very positive people. They've earned the respect of their peers at different levels of the organization. They have what we call non-positional influence and that they're very close to the customer. They're close to the action. And this is also a recommendation based on the shift in the workforce that you see happening now. Um, In the good old days or bad old days, depending on your perspective, senior management made these pronouncements and decisions and really didn't include others in the organization. But now as Gen X is dominating middle management and as Gen Y is now dominating the entry-level positions, the generational mindset has shifted to much more of an interest in understanding the bigger picture here.
0: Okay, so you have a cross-section of people in the room defining purpose. What do those people do?
1: Well, you know, and I love that expression from Henry Ford when we think about who's in the room, and I wanted to add one more thing. He had this quote where he said, "Well, know, we're looking for a lot of people who have an infinite capacity to not know what can't be done. In other words, looking for people who think in terms of art of the possible. So, You can also include folks that don't even wear a company badge, you know, category experts, trusted consultants and resources. But in terms of process to your question, um, one of the things that really helps everybody, um, develop an inspiring charter and and purpose statement for an organization is to look at who does the organization serve and where are we exchanging value in the marketplace? Now, the obvious, folks that any organization is exchanging value with is an end user or a customer. But we encourage our clients to look both internally and externally. Now, internally, anybody who's wearing a company badge. Externally is anybody who's not wearing a company badge that can have a significant impact on how the organization is viewed and valued by all stakeholders. So let's take some examples. So Um, If you're serving, let's say, in the electronics industry, in the home electronics industry, there's not only the people who enjoy using those products in their homes, but it could be the dealers who represent those manufacturers at retail locations like Best Buy and uh, other uh, popular retailers. There also could be people who provide parts and components and service who are oftentimes external to the organization or internal, depending on who you're serving in that value chain. So that's the first start is to think about all the people in the value chain uh, in the process of business that the organization needs to make sure they're either in partnership effectively or that they're the external end user or customer. Um, The boss is often uh, an internal stakeholder or the board of directors. And uh, uh, we find a riveting concept is to ask the people who are coming up with purpose statement to then reflect on what they want the reputation to be with these stakeholders. Reputation is a very personal word, you know, it's like street cred. And we say to the groups, typically when we're facilitating a discussion, what would you want your reputation to be two years from now? If let's say you hired our team to go out and spend, spend time with your stakeholders and ask them what they think of you as a department, a team, an organization. And what are the sorts of words you want to hear coming back?
0: Yeah, I like that reputation concept. It makes it personal.
1: Yeah, it also forces to the surface, what are the common values of the planning team members and the people they're trying to serve? And that helps the planning team land on a short list of key values, key deliverables that you can't just cut and paste and use. (laughs) You know, we can't cut and paste their charter statements and their purpose statements for other organization if you do it this way. Because those words are going to come from their own internal and external customers. As an example, um, we were just recently visiting with one of our professional service clients. They run a medical practice in the West End of Toronto. And a number of years ago, they had contacted us. They wanted to shift from being a national leader within Canada to being a global leader in plastic surgery and dermatology. But they didn't want to lose their family atmosphere and the highly engaged work environment they were hearing that they had created for their patients and staff. So they took a a really careful examination of all the stakeholders that they were interacting with, and they put together a charter statement. I think it it's worth reading for our audience because you know we find it very inspiring. Uh, my family is actually a patient our patients of the practice, and we know that this is something that they're living towards. So let me give you the the, uh, charter right as it's written on their website, and you see this definitely when you walk into the practice. It's called the ICLS Experience. ICLS is a world-renowned facility that is recognized for its integrity, professionalism, and safety. However, it is the culture that makes ICLS such a distinctive and highly sought-after institution. Both patients and staff are thoroughly engaged in the experience of visiting ICLS. It's an environment of unwavering loyalty and support, compassion, and respect. Even more so, with such a strong family mentality, patients and staff are immersed in a positive, happy, and fun environment. This allows ICLS to expand its reach as the ICLS experience encourages individuals to share and advocate through word of mouth. Through the team's perseverance and dedication, ICLS's communication and processes have become like a well-oiled machine. While extremely busy, ICLS maintains a calm and organized environment, which conveys to the patient a sense of confidence and trust. ICLS is viewed as knowledgeable leaders in their fields, remaining on the cutting edge with the newest and most effective treatments and technologies. Pretty powerful stuff. What kind of steps did they
0: take to achieve such a powerful mission statement?
1: You know, it was, it was something we'd recommend to our listeners that they that they sort of follow what uh, ICLS did here. First thing they did, of course, is assemble the right folks. They chose some staff members that they wanted to see in future leadership roles, people who, again, were very close to their customer, as they call them, clients or patients. They chose the right people because they're also very progressive, positive, very engaged, you know, staff members. They brought in a couple external experts from time to time to make contributions. And at the very sort of first mini step, they brought everybody together. I came in, we spent a little bit of time in their, in their staff room, and we just gave everybody who was going to be involved in the forward planning process visibility to the larger piece here, that this was part of building the next chapter in the state of their organization. And they wanted everybody who was being invited to participate to come prepared. So they made a quick list of the stakeholders they thought were important to their practice, and they assigned some duties and responsibilities across the participants to go out and do a little homework, um, check on the recent staff surveys and the the recent uh, patient surveys, spend some time with patient families, talk to other employees, and uh, do a bit of a deep dive. And then we got them back together. It was a very powerful session because the honesty you could see in the way that they had gotten a lot of good feedback from a number of stakeholders. We call it our red ink exercise we we help them think about their desired culture and the values that they want to represent we get them to paint the picture of the ideal and then we ask them you know what my colleague calls a dirty question so if we went to your stakeholders today and interviewed them what would we hear and they came back because they'd done their homework and they identified a lot of red ink in other words a lot of gaps between ideally what they wanted their stakeholders to say about them and where they were today and yet despite that they were still a well-run practice, but boy, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's just like you, you know, you see in, in commonly in business and other walks of life. It's the good organizations that are, they're really hungry oftentimes to get better, not the poorly run organizations. So I would have already considered them a very good practice. And like I said before, I mean, my family drives an hour and 15 minutes to cross traffic in a big city like Toronto to, to have our needs looked after by them as patients. And, uh, uh, but this this exercise gave them a really good starting point to not only see what they wanted to become and create this charter but to start to identify the biggest gaps. What
0: were some common themes that came out of that discussion?
1: Well, what was really impressive was uh we you know, we kept track of some of the key words that they were hearing back from you know the key stakeholders and then we asked them to identify the one or two phrases that they each would we most um, impressed to hear if we went out and did some research a year or two later. And then we captured them, and they came to very quick, quick agreement. You know, they came up with a list of loyal and supportive, that the practice had integrity, that the practice was knowledgeable, professional, compassionate, that it was a well-oiled machine, that it was progressive, that it kept that family culture that its employees talked so much about, that it was a safe environment, calm happy and fun and respectful. And then that's how they got to that charter that I read a few minutes ago. And again, you can't really cut and paste all of these elements into any other organization. It really just fits their circumstances and their stakeholders. But the buy-in was probably the most powerful concept at all. You could really feel the energy in the room as an external facilitator.
0: It must have been fun.
1: You know, it was fun. And, you know, the best part of all was uh, one of my partners and I We're just back in to visit with them again after, I would say, about 18 months of them following the entire exceptional performance process that we're going to be talking about on this podcast series. And they really, you know, um, were compliant. (laughs) They're They're like a good patient. They know about patient compliance, but they were like our patient in this case. And they followed the process to a T and really took it seriously and had some fun with it. Well, we just went back and visited with them less than a month ago. And my colleague who's been in this business for over 30 years said he has never been in a higher performance environment in his career. And he's been dealing with Fortune 500 companies all over the world. And he said, it reminds me of that story of the Seattle fish market, you know, that famous story. I said, yeah, you go in there and you just can't help it, right? It's palpable how much of that environment is so positive for everybody. You can see it on the faces of the patients, the staff, the physicians, the vendors who come in. I mean, you walk through the threshold of that office and it really feels like you're entering another dimension. It's it's amazing. And, boy, that was a real compliment from him. And uh, he's a really well-known author, published, and it was a remarkable compliment.
0: Well, thanks, Rob. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to break things down so thoroughly. My pleasure, Eric. Thanks for having me. That's it for Episode 1 of the Exceptional Performance Podcast. On behalf of myself, Rob, and the team working to bring you this show, Thank you, and be sure to subscribe to catch our next episode, Taking Stock, Getting Real About Today.